Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. And you were texting at the time, correct? How dare you, sir? I was tweeting. Please read exhibit C. 915, four green lights in a row. Hashtag blessed. I'm Greta Johnson. I'm Trisha Bobita. And from WBEZ in Chicago, this is Nerdette. Coming up, the author of Bad Feminist, who we think is actually one of the very best feminists, Roxanne Gay. We talk about using social media for social justice, her love of Scrabble. You were ranked at one time, right? I'm ranked still. (laughs) (laughs) All that plus your nerd confessions, right here on Nerdette. Roxane Gay is the author of the book I'm most likely to give as a gift this year. Bad Feminist is a book of essays. I've been following her on Twitter and Tumblr for ages, and this book is a perfect distillation of what makes her fantastic. Brutal honesty and very clever writing. She's also hilarious. I Even just in the last couple of days, one of my favorite tweets out there ever, they should make bigger emoji for older eyes. I am someone who has <laughs> very mature eyes, and I have to say, I just think that's so funny. I can never tell what those emoji are, guys. I just can't. <laughs> In the introduction to Bad Feminist, Roxanne says she used to hate when people called her a feminist because she thought it meant angry, sex-hating, man-hating, victim-lady person. So we asked her how she came to redefine the word feminist and what it means to her now. I grew up, and I realized that that caricature of feminism was one that was put forward by people who are afraid of the idea of the equality of women. I think as I matured, I was able to see that agenda at play, and... I realize what feminism is about, at least for me, which is allowing women to move through the world with the same ease that men move through the world. And once I saw it as that, I realized that it really has nothing to do with personal choices as much as it has to do with allowing there to be a wide range of personal choices that are acceptable for women. A couple of weeks ago, we talked with Margaret Atwood and the topic of defining the word feminism came up with her. And She mentioned that her big problem is that there is no single definition, so it's muddy when people say to her, are you a feminist? She says, depends what you mean. She still has a bit of friction with that word. And for you, it seems like that diversity of meanings is okay and that that's important. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. And there are many different definitions of feminism, but at its core, for every definition, it's about the equality of men and women. And so... I love Margaret Atwood. I think she's amazing. But I think that it's a bit of a cop-out to say that there are too many definitions, and so I want to know which one. What far-ranging definition of feminism is out there that someone wouldn't want to claim? I'm comfortable being labeled a feminist, and I know people are going to hear different things when they hear the word feminist, but I know what I stand for, and I feel like my writing reflects what I stand for, so I'm not too worried about all the other definitions of feminism that are out and about. 
We also talked with this woman named Sarah Merck who works for Bitch Magazine. And she talked about the idea that trying to be a perfect feminist is kind of insane. And I feel like since you've named the book Bad Feminist, you're also agreeing with that concept. Yeah, absolutely. I know Sarah. She's wonderful. It is insane. It's such an unreasonable standard. And I think it's a position that feminists have been put into because people think, oh, you want women to be equal? Well, then you better be perfect if you want something so outrageous. And it's offensive, this idea that we have to be perfect just to want equality, like that our demand is so outrageous that we have to sing for our supper. No, I refuse to play along with that. I love that you said sing for your supper because I was listening to Nina Simone sing Mississippi Goddamn sort of on repeat last night as I watched Twitter. Uh-huh. It was sort of a weird cathartic addition to having to watch Twitter, which was not making me feel better about the world. And we spoke with someone who said that there were two sides of the coin in her era as a performer where Lena Horne was told you must be always conservatively dressed and the most prim and proper if you want your rights. And Nina Simone said, no, that's not how this works. I say what I want and what I feel. But they both had to exist in this ecosystem for Singing Civil Rights was the book that uh, Ruth Feldstein wrote about uh, black female performers of the civil rights movement. And I think we're seeing that struggle still play out today with not just celebrities, but in everyday people's lives, that balance between how aggressively can I ask for my rights and still get a job and still do these other things that I want to do. It's a very frustrating tension that we even have to ask ourselves these questions because, and again, this is why feminism matters. Men, generally, don't sit around trying to figure out like how much they can get away with. They just go for it. They just know that their ambition is going to be encouraged and embraced. And I want women to have that same freedom. Still to come in our conversation with author Roxanne Gay, we talk about whether it takes different muscles to write a tweet than it does a novel. Then we'll unpack her homework and hear your nerd confessions right here on Nerdette. Alabama's got me so upset. Tennessee made me lose my rest. Everybody knows about Mississippi. God damn. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. You're listening to Nerdette. I'm Trisha Bobita here with Greta Johnson, and we're talking with Roxanne Gay. Her book of essays is Bad Feminist. She also came out with a novel this year called An Untamed State. So, Roxanne, for you, what's the difference between writing a tweet, an essay, or a novel? Is it like different muscles, or how does that feel for you to be working in so many mediums? Generally, it's just writing. And when I sit down, it depends on sort of what I'm trying to do that determines the format or the medium that I'm going to work with. 
writing fiction is my happy place, even though my fiction is kind of dark. When I'm writing fiction, there are no rules other than the ones I make. And I love that freedom. And there's a truth to fiction telling that I'm always reaching for. And there's an urgency in nonfiction. And so it just depends on sort of urgency that determines whether I'm writing fiction or nonfiction. And tweets, you know, when I'm on Twitter, I'm just, it can be, you know, something trivial, like I lost my favorite pen and I'm very upset about it. Or (laughs) it can be something far more serious, like trying to have a conversation around making sense of the grand jury in Staten Island not indicting the cop who murdered Eric Garner. I love Twitter for that, that we can have trivial conversations alongside more serious conversations. Just last night you were tweeting both about that case and Peter Pan Live, back and forth. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. There's room in my brain for multiple conflicting things. I wanted to watch Peter Pan. I'd been looking forward to it for months. And so I was mindful that we're having a serious cultural moment around this lack of justice for Eric Garner, for Mike Brown, Trayvon Martin, Tamir Rice. But at the same time, the struggle sometimes needs to take a night off. And Peter Pan allowed that. That's something that I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about, because we all only have so much energy in a day. And then we have to decide whether we're going to spend that trying to tear down these old oppressive systems, or build new spaces and grow new spaces that are more positive. And our tagline on the show actually is Nerdette is a safe space. Uh And this notion that we're going to create a positive space and that within the walls of this podcast, when you're listening, we're not going to ignore the rest of the world and the bad things that are happening, but we're going to more often than not try to find the things that we can be excited about because there's a fatigue that can come from, like you said, having to be fighting that fight all the time on Twitter. It's 24-7. How do you make that balance work for you in terms of your own mental health between destruction of these old systems and creating new spaces that are positive? Yeah, I'm not very good at creating that balance yet. I'm not very good at it at all. But I'm increasingly trying to just take care of myself and to recognize that I can't fight this good fight constantly, that I'm human and that I have needs and that I need emotional breaks. And so I I just try to sort of follow my gut as to what I'm going to respond to, and how, and when. And also just take some time out to be me. And I recognize the privilege of being able to do that, and I feel kind of guilty about it. Like, there are people for whom the struggle will never end, and I get to sort of pick and choose. But I do recognize the privilege in that, and I, but I don't think that because privilege is there that we can't do anything about it. For me, it's just trying to find that balance, and I want to get better about it because I need to make more time for myself. Roxanne, I've followed you online for a long time, and I always feel like you're saying the things that I'm a little too afraid to say and just the way I wanted someone to say them. But I'm wondering if you still, even though you've made your mark as someone who's unabashed about your feelings online, do you ever still get sort of social media stage fright when you're wading into something that you know is going to take an emotional toll? You know, yeah, I do get stage fright, but I don't let it keep me from saying what I want to say. So there are times when I just think, oh, God, am I going to really say this? And then I just say it. I'm not going to censor myself, even though I oftentimes worry about the consequences of being so outspoken. But, you know, I live in Indiana, in rural Indiana, and I have a day job, so my living doesn't depend on what editors think of me. 
So that frees me up. That makes sense. So what do you think are the most effective platforms for actually making positive change? Is it social media? Is it politics with a capital P? Is it a careful combination of all of the things? How do you navigate that? God, I don't think we've figured that out yet, honestly. I think social media can contribute to positive change. And we've certainly seen that, especially in the past couple of years. But we need to make more inroads to creating positive change in the political sphere. Because we can only do so much as people on the ground. We really need to find ways to adequately influence policymakers. And I think that's what we haven't quite figured out yet, how to make the moral imperative politically expedient. I was watching last night the two hashtags, Black Lives Matter and All Lives Matter. Uh You were very articulate at explaining why careful word choice matters. And as someone who writes and who is a Scrabble nerd, it sounds like you've got some Scrabble skills. What's new for you about this ability to have that kind of conversation where it's not just semantics and you can explain why and do it and we're suddenly having a conversation as a nation around one idea that I've never seen anything like that happen. I've seen people react to the news, but the reaction to that hashtag, I guess maybe yes, all women and not all men is a similar parallel. But are we learning from each other or are we just all talking? Are we listening? I think that we're mostly talking. The people that are hearing are the people who are already in the right place and willing to learn and willing to change. But are we reaching people who are diametrically opposed to what we believe? No, I don't think so. But I don't think that that's anything new or different. It's just a different medium where we're seeing this phenomenon take place. But this is the way it's always been. We believe what we believe, and it's really hard to create change. And that's why we're having the same conversations about social problems in each generation. I think about that a lot, especially with Facebook, when people post political stuff on either end of the spectrum on Facebook. And that idea that like, I'm pretty sure no one's mind was actually changed by a link that they posted. And Facebook is actually interesting, because at least on Twitter, you follow who you follow. Like, I don't see a lot of crazy unless people are responding to something I've written, and they're not following me, and they just want to get in my face. On Facebook, we tend to follow our families and the people we grew up with. So there can be some real dissonance between what we believe, and what the people in our lives believe. And so on Facebook, I think we see a lot of very uncomfortable discord when things like the Mike Brown grand jury non-indictment come down. And it's really interesting to see that tension play out because I think Facebook is a really accurate measure of the current state of political discourse in this country. Yeah, absolutely. It kind of terrifies me. I try to stay out of the fray a little bit, especially on the journalistic side of things. But I do try to very often say, listen, I'm pretty sure you're not actually changing anyone's mind. If that's what you're trying to do with this, it's not working on this platform. Mm -hmm. That's as much as I will tell you about that part, you know? Social media also gives us this chance that I guess we've always had in real life, too, but as more and more of our communication, like you said, with friends and family happens in these platforms like Facebook, it's awfully tempting sometimes to just hit that unfollow button and shield yourself from people who disagree with you, no matter what they disagree about. And I think that those bubbles we're creating for ourselves are making it even worse because we think that we have this whole wide world of the Internet and it's this democratized information But we're just creating firmer and firmer walls where we speak in a digital echo chamber. So my personal rule is don't unfollow those folks. Just maybe 
temper the amount of time like we were talking about that you can engage with them because if I just block them out completely and pretend they don't exist, then I'm not helping at all. Mm. I'm not working on the problem that I acknowledge is a problem. Yeah, the bubble issue is the difficult one, and I think we all exist in bubbles to one extent or another, and I like my bubble, but I think this is why it's important to talk about diversity and not just demographic diversity, but intellectual diversity. You have to expose yourself to ideas that are different. One of the things that I try to do is I read American Conservative, which I disagree with nearly everything they talk about, but it's well-written and it's thoughtful. And so I do read that just to make sure that I'm not thinking in an echo chamber. I think it's really important to recognize that we're oftentimes in bubbles, but do small things, just expand the perimeters of those bubbles. One of my favorite segments on NPR is on All Things Considered on Friday afternoons, and it's when David Brooks and E.J. Dionne kind of talk about the news of the week. And, you know, they represent different sides of the political landscape, but it's still civil discourse, <laughs> which in this day and age just seems so difficult to find. Yeah, it is difficult because somehow nuance is no longer appreciated. It's I'm right and you're wrong, and we're completely unwilling to acknowledge that we might disagree but still have important things to say. Because you're wrong, I'm going to demean you and I'm going to discredit you. And it's unfortunate that discourse has devolved in this way. Yeah, it's not even necessarily I'm right and you're wrong. It's I'm right and you're evil. Correct. I'm right and you shouldn't be allowed to exist. It's heartbreaking almost. We like to talk to folks about the things they're best known for. So for you, it's these conversations about feminism and and other types of equality. But also, we like to get to know a little bit about the nerdy things you like to escape into. So what are you nerding out about these days? Are you still an active Scrabble player? You were ranked at one time, right? I'm ranked still. (laughs) Um, But I haven't played in a tournament in a while because I've been too busy. Yeah, I, I always play Scrabble. I play Scrabble every day, mostly on Facebook. And I play words with friends. And then my Scrabble club still meets once a month. And even though I moved, they're still only an hour and a half away. You know, I haven't been nerding out about much lately because I broke my ankle. And so I've mostly just been bored and miserable and unable to focus on anything interesting. But Scrabble is my go-to nerdery. And just I love it. It's like word math. Word math is the best way of putting it. I actually knew very little about competitive Scrabble, and then I covered a regional tournament here in Asheville, North Carolina last fall, and the whole thing just blew my mind. It's such good nerdery. It's perfect. Yes, it's amazing. That's what I love so much about competitive Scrabble. I had no idea this world existed, and it's so hardcore. Like, there are rules, and there's etiquette. And it's just, there's intrigue. It's fantastic. Yeah, it was so much fun to report on. I ended up using the headline, this is not your grandmother's Scrabble. Because, you know, it's it's just like a totally different thing. It's so Oh, cool. no, it's totally, it's timed. It's competitive as hell. There's smack talking. Absolutely. It's definitely not your grandmother's Scrabble. <laughs> it's so good. Roxanne, I also have to tell you, one of my favorite things ever is reading your Outlander recaps. <laughs> and I, I don't watch the show because I couldn't even get through the first episode. I watched like 52 minutes of it and was like, eh. But your recaps are just the perfect fix for me instead of watching the show. You. It's magical. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. When Vulture approached me, I was like, oh, sure, whatever. I mean, I was familiar with the books, but I hadn't read them. And so it just seemed like, okay, I'll try this. And I had a lot of fun with it because 
it was so interesting to see Claire Beecham trying to like be a feminist in a time that was so outrageously anti-woman. So it was a lot of fun. Roxanne Gay is the author of a book of essays called Bad Feminist and a new novel, An Untamed State. Roxanne, thanks for joining us on Nerdette. Thank you. It's a pleasure. She's at rgay on Twitter. I promise you will be both entertained and educated if you follow her. She also has a new blog on the site The Toast called The Butter, and The Butter's the best part of The Toast, so Roxanne's probably the best part of this site, too. And you know what else she does that's also quite delightful is she recaps the show Outlander. Don't even watch the show. Just go read the recaps. You'll love them, I promise. (laughs) Our homework for you this week is to read Bad Feminist and her new novel, An Untamed State, And here's some homework from Roxanne. I want everyone to read Cinderland by Amy Jo Burns and Man vs. Nature by Diane Cook. Oh, and watch Love and Hip Hop Hollywood Edition. So good. Okay. Oh, yay. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. It takes reality television and just implodes the whole idea. Now it's time to hear from you. Nerd Confessions! Hi, Nerdette. Love the show, and this is my first time nerd confessing. My nerd confession actually goes back quite a few years. My bat mitzvah was the day that the fifth Harry Potter book came out. And aside from receiving many copies of the fifth Harry Potter book as gifts, I really wanted but did not have the guts to sing Adon Alum, the final song of the Saturday service, to the tune of the Harry Potter theme from the movies. Had I had the chutzpah at the time, that would have sounded a little something like this. Adon olam Hashem alaf b'terem kol yitzir nivra liyeit nasa v'chef so kol azayim alech shemo nikra. Now I could go on, but I'll leave the rest to your imagination. Such good nerds. We love you all nerds. And we have one more thing that's not really a confession, it's just more of an exciting announcement. Is this when we tell them, Trisha? Yeah. Okay. Guys, everybody, I'm moving back to Chicago. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> High fiving a million angels. Greta was working in Asheville, North Carolina. I'm here at WBEZ in Chicago, which means that we work from different studios, different time zones. But now Nerdette is going to be under one roof at WBEZ. Yes. You know what it was? Is time zones just finally broke our brains. We just couldn't handle it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, now Trisha and I will actually be looking at each other when we're talking to each other. It's going to be crazy. This could be bad. It could be bad. But hopefully we'll still like each other. I think it's going to be great. <laughs> Let the great experiment begin! <laughs> I've been calling it Nerdette Episode 4, colon, Return of the Co-Host. Yeah. But then our intern Claire got mad at me when I posted that on Twitter because she said it would be Episode 6, Return of the Jedi. But I was saying no because her returning for the fourth season of Nerdette and it got into quite a nerd spiral. It was a beautiful nerd spiral. You guys are the best. I can't wait. Nerdette is going to be under one roof. We are a part of the WBEZ podcast family and we'll be back at you with new episodes in the new year. In the meantime, you can talk with us on Twitter at Nerdat Podcast. Email us at nerdatpodcast at gmail.com. 
Like us on Facebook. We'll keep posting many book reviews on our Instagram. That's also at Nerdette Podcast. The show is produced by us, Trisha Bobita and Greta Johnson. With help from Joe Dassault, Patrick Burns, and Iris Lynn. Chicago Public Media creates award-winning content about the issues that affect nerds like you. More information is available at chicagopublicmedia.org. Thanks to Roxanne Gay for joining us this week. And thanks to you for listening, whether it was on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Throw some stars and write a review if you're feeling generous, like the excellent 918 did on iTunes. Also, if you want to do a little holiday shopping, it's probably not too late to go to nerdatpodcast.com and click on the shop button. We have a cafe press store so you can get our fun logo on pretty much anything you want. Shirts, dog shirts. Flasks. So if you want to get yourself or a Nerdette in your life some Nerdette swag, that's nerdettepodcast.com slash shop. Yes, and there's one other way you can help Nerdette. If you're a nerd with a business or who works for one that wants to get your message heard by Nerdette listeners, you can underwrite the show. Email nerdettepodcast at gmail.com to learn more about sponsorship opportunities. Our theme music is New Old Toys by Poddington Bear. Do your homework. Do your homework. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Tan Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.